1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And if you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And today's message is entitled, The Six Graces of Jesus Christ. The Six Graces of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to deal with the day that God has a plan for us to walk in His blessing, to walk in His provision. And if as His children, if we simply loved and were generous, we would walk in His blessing over time, regardless of whether or not we understand faith or some other concepts in the Word of God. And so really, we come back to this basic fact in this series on the truth about money, and that is when we deal with money and finances and how we use money and finances, where we're dealing with a heart issue. How we handle money reveals the heart. And so really in this series, one of the things that we're doing is a heart check and a heart checkup. If we would have eyes to see it from the Word of God, it is impossible for us to obey God and to remain in lack, in need, or in not enough over time. If we would have eyes to see it, if we would just obey God, it's impossible for us to obey Him and to remain poor over time. It's impossible to obey God and to keep losing in life. It's impossible to obey Him and to keep failing in life. Say this, say, I'm prospering. I'm prospering. Say, I'm winning. I'm say, I'm succeeding. I'm succeeding. Say, I'm abounding. I'm abounding. Say, in every area of life. And you might say, well, there's this and, and there's that. Amen. Well, that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why we say what the Word says and we overcome. Amen. Uh, a challenge, a difficulty, a, a circumstance, a distraction, an anxiety, a worry, a need, whatever it is, it is simply another opportunity to prove God's word is true. Now, number one, Paul wrote about the six graces of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul wrote about the six graces of Jesus Christ. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, he writes, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, these were the churches in the east. Now, Paul writes in this letter to the church at Corinth, Corinth was a major metropolitan city, and being a major metropolitan city, your average Corinthian, your average person living in the church of Corinth, just because of where they lived, the circumstances was better off and more blessed than those in the east. So he's writing to the church at Corinth, telling them about those in the east, believers in the east. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given to the Macedonian churches out of their most severe trial. So they had faced some things. They had faced persecution. They had faced difficulty in those churches, but he writes, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. So they were not blessed like the people living in Corinth. They were not blessed like those that were a part of the church of Corinth. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. We could say that they, they stretched in their faith. They stretched in their action. They stretched in their generosity. Verse 3, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. So they didn't see those in the east, even though they were not as well off as those in the church of Corinth, they did not see giving or generosity as a burden or as a pain. They saw it as a privilege. They urgently pleaded with us for the sharing, the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So the Eastern churches had given. Now Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. It was their time to give, to be generous. So he says to bring to completion this act of grace on your part. So gener giving and generosity, it is not just something we do in obedience. It is a grace. And we're to be gracious in our giving just as you excel in everything. Say, in everything. So we've always got stuff to work on. We always, in our own lives, have stuff to improve. And that's why you came to me and asked, I would tell you, I'm of the mindset that each of us have enough to work on and to improve. None of us have time to run around policing others, sticking our nose in other people's business, telling other people what to do, amen, and again, this is why it makes government one of the biggest sinners of them all. Jessica was so grieved last night when she saw that in Los Angeles, they have shut down the Los Angeles Dream Center from distributing food and Christmas gifts for Christmas to those in need. Evil, evil, evil. In our own lives, we all have enough to work on and to improve without running around and policing others. And so we're to excel, not just in a few things, but in everything. Say in everything. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, the King James says diligence, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So we're to excel in faith and speech and love, but we're also to excel in the grace of giving. 
and the grace of being generous. And we all have room for improvement, amen? You know, if you're a teenager or a young adult, you've got room for improvement. If you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, you could be in your 60s or 70s. We all have room for improvement. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness or diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Paul writes about this elsewhere in Philippians that he, he gave up all the glory, all the splendor, all the wonders of heaven to be born of a woman, to do everything that he did for us on our behalf. And that's what Christmas is all about, amen? He, he gave all of that up to be born of a woman, to live a human life without sin, to pay the price you or I could never pay. And here Paul says that he was rich, Yet for our sakes, he became poor. He came into this world without anything, amen? Now, religion will stop there. But if you read your Bible, you'll find out that by the time he was about two, the wise men came along and gave precious gifts. I typically will always mention that in an offering around the time of Christmas. And a lot of people don't realize that basic fact from the word of God. Yet when he was born of a woman, he gave up the riches of heaven, for our sakes he became poor so that we, through his poverty, we might become, it's okay, it's okay to say it, see? And this shows how religion has forced us into a box and how even when we consider ourselves faith people and doers of the word of God and we believe the word of God and we believe the parts of the word of God that other people don't believe, we're still kind of embarrassed about it. We're still kind of ashamed about it. He, he did all that he did for us so that we, through his poverty, we might become rich. rich. And we're nervous to say it. But again, he wants to make an example of us in our lives with his blessing, just like he did Abraham, just like he did Isaac, just like he did Jacob, just like he did Joseph, amen. He wants to show out his goodness in our lives. Now, why do so many Christians fail to walk in the blessing God. And, and I'm not just dealing with someone who just got saved last Sunday. Why can someone come to church, love God, say they love Jesus, be a Christian, and decade after decade after decade go by, and they never walk in the blessing of God? Well, the answer is right here in 2 Corinthians 8. They don't excel in the grace of giving. And if you'll have eyes to see it, we can excel in love, we can excel in faith, we can excel in our speech, but we might miss it completely in this area of our life, and that is in the grace of giving. The Greek word for giving is parasute, which means you should abound. You are exceeding or you are super abounding. Say, I am super abounding. Now see, we're in crazy faith because again, we're, it's 2020, all this crazy stuff is going on out there in the world, amen? But that's out there in the world that is not in our lives. So say it again, say, I am super abounding. You might say, well, Austin, what about this? What about that? I saw this on the news. That, that's out there in the world. And so you gotta renew your mind to the word of God that the people of God, that they're blessed wherever they are, no matter what's going on. And no matter what's going on out there in the world, we are super abounding. Say it again. Say, I am super abounding. I am super abounding. 
Now, in other passages, this word is translated to abound, that you may excel, that you may abound, that you might abound, and that you should abound. And I like that. We should abound. Amen? And in every area of life, we ought to improve over time. In every area of life, we ought to make progress over time. Amen? In every area of life, there ought to be something to show for our efforts. You know, I, I, this year, because of what's gone on, I have followed the news, whether on social media or on Facebook, just so I know about the nuttiness going on out there. Maybe I shouldn't have. There, were, there was a story yesterday, you know, and the world bragging on it about some father leaving behind a $10 bill for his son so he could buy his son his first beer. Well, that is not generous. This thing of someone living their life, dying, and then leaving nothing behind is not something to celebrate. It's not a testimony in the world or in the church. And so when you have this thing of people living out their lives, then dying, leaving nothing behind, and not only is there nothing left behind, children or grandchildren have to figure out how to pay for the hospital bills and for the funeral bill and for the burial bill. There, there's literally so nothing left behind the children or grandchildren have to cover even the burial. That, that is not godly. That is not Christian. And if we live out our life on planet Earth 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, there ought to be something left to show for it, to pass on to the next generation, amen? And yeah, there, you know, there ought to be love. And there ought to be faith. And there ought to be good speech, amen? But there also ought to be something material, tangible, and of substance. So say it again. Say, I should abound. I should abound. Say, say, I should abound, I should abound. More, in more in 2021 than I did in 2020. So what are these six graces of Jesus Christ? The first is faith. Amen. And praise God, we're teaching on faith all the time. The second is speech. You've heard pastors say you've got to get all the forces of your life lined up and moving in the same direction. One is our mouth, amen. Wednesday night he mentioned Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit thereof. And most people are negative. Most people are speaking death 24 hours a day. So faith, second speech, third, knowledge, amen. We ought to be growing in our knowledge of the word. Fourth, complete earnestness or diligence. Tell your neighbor, smile and say diligence. Smile and tell your other neighbor, say diligence. So, so we ought to be busy. We ought to be productive. And not just in our work and labor, but in the kingdom of God and our families. Number five, love, which is agape, which is the God kind of love. And then sixth, the sixth grace of Jesus Christ, abundance or giving as it's used here, parasute. Now, number two, gospel giving will cause you to superabound. Gospel giving and giving a generosity God's way will cause you to superabound. One of the six graces is this privilege of giving. It is a privilege. 
Paul says they, they, the Macedonian churches, even though they, they weren't as blessed as the church at Corinth, they, they saw this as a privilege. Remember, pastor has taught during the last two week of increases that God's system of economics is designed to cost us nothing. But we've got to have eyes to see it. We've got to have a right heart and a right attitude to see it. His system is designed to cost us nothing. His system is designed to empower us to abound, that we might excel, that we might abound, that we should abound. But when we deal with this, we're dealing with the heart. Giving and generosity is about the heart, your heart and my heart. And not just in terms of us, but if the body of Christ had seen this, if the church at large had seen this, there would be no needy among God's people and ministers and ministries wouldn't have to beg and plead. And, and we certainly wouldn't have to go to the government with both hands out begging for a bailout, begging for a loan. You know, it, one of the greatest miracles is the fact that we, we are more blessed this year than any other year, amen? One of the greatest miracles is we're ending this year with phase one and everything paid off. And it would have been exciting if that happened on December 30th or December 31st, amen? But, but God orchestrated it being done by the time we had Thanksgiving. That, that is the miracle-working wonder of God, amen? And when in the spring they offered all this government money, we said no, pastor said no, amen? And it's amazing what God has done because we have looked to him as our source and our supply. Not man, not a politician, not the government, amen, but God's people beg, plead, ask. It's not his plan. It is not his plan. When you obey God, when you do things his way, when you look to him as your source, his exceeding, super abounding anointing of God, his anointing comes upon your life. When you obey him, when you do what the word says, his exceeding, superabounding anointing comes upon your life. Amen? And that's one of the things on anniversary Sundays we release our faith for. Amen? That when pastor prays over us and lays hands on us for the new year, amen, that the same anointing that is upon his life comes upon our lives to prosper, to succeed, to pull ahead. Amen? It is his anointing that is upon our lives. And that's what why God does things in our lives that are simply unexplainable to a lost and dying world. Say it again. Say, I'm prospering. I'm prospering. Say, I'm winning. I'm winning. Say, I'm succeeding, I'm succeeding. In, every in every area of life. Say, say I'm super abounding. So we're not just abounding a little bit. Or, or we're just not abounding to where everybody's comfortable with our level of aboundingness. We are superabounding. We are superabounding. And see, that, that's where the offense is. That's where the criticism is. Because there's the mentality, well, you can, you can be this blessed, but not this blessed. God, God can prosper you to this level, but he certainly can't prosper you to that level. If you're going to walk in the blessing of God, you can't escape the offense. You can't escape the criticism, we mentioned Isaac last Sunday, Genesis 26, God blessed him. 
during a time of famine, amen. And what did the Philistines do? They envied him. And I know sometimes we get in our minds that if we could just be as nice as Jesus, everyone would like us, everyone would agree with us, no one would ever criticize us. Well, if you read the Gospels, there were plenty of people that didn't like Jesus and didn't believe Jesus and had something mean or something critical to say about Jesus. So you just got to get over it. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, just as you excel in everything, say in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness or diligence and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Number three, giving is based in love. Tell your neighbor, say, it's about love. Tell your other neighbor, say, it's about love. And this explains why, over time, many Christians never prosper. Many Christians never walk in the blessing of God. This explains why over time you have people and you see them in 1995, then you see them in 2025, and literally no progress has been made whatsoever. That is not God's plan. That is not God's best. And as I said, maybe 10 minutes ago, we ought to have something to show for our lives. We ought to have something to show for our work and our labor and our time and our, our efforts there ought to be something left behind, amen? So giving is based in love. It's selfish to not want to prosper. It's selfish to not want to have more than you, more than you need, more than enough so you can be a blessing. To love is to give and to be generous. And those who don't love, don't give. And those who love only themselves and care only about themselves, don't give. That's why young people in dating, before you say, I do, you got to figure out whether or not somebody is generous. Generous with God, generous with others, amen? Because people are on their best behavior dating. And then with marriage comes a dose of reality, amen? And again, we're dealing with heart matters. A person who loves gives. A person who is generous gives. Lovers are givers, and non-lovers don't give. It's that simple. Look at verses 8 and 9. I'm not commanding you, but want to test the sincerity of your love. So our giving and our generosity, it evidences the sincerity of our love by comparing it with the earnestness or diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, amen, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Listen again to verse 8. I am not commanding you, but want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness or diligence of others. So love can be measured. And is love just what we say? See, that's why you have a guy and he'll take advantage of a woman. He'll tell her he loves her, but then he won't buy a ring. He won't commit. You know, those are the guys that do the 8 or 10 year or 12 year engagements. And if that's your testimony, I apologize, amen. I want to cause any offense. Love can be measured. Giving and generosity can be measured. Diligence can be measured. Now you hear us say all the time, you've got to take action and operate at your level, amen. You know, when I was 15, I had a level. When I was 
20. I, I had a level. When Jessica and I got married, we were at whatever level we were at in 2006. But I, I'm 38 years old now. So my level today ought not be what my level was when Jessica and I got married. So love can be measured. Diligence can be measured. And giving and generosity can be measured. And over time, as God takes us to new levels, we shouldn't just keep giving or doing what we've always given or done. That is not being generous. Moses reminded us in Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 and 17, no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion. Say, in proportion. Say, in proportion. So over time, as God blesses us, as he increases us, our, our action and our obedience and our giving and our generosity should change and increase and go to new levels to be commensurate with the new level of blessing so that we're giving in proportion, as Moses says, to the way God has blessed us. We're taking action in proportion to the way God has blessed us. We're, we're giving, we're sowing, we're being a blessing in proportion to the way God has blessed us. Now, again, as my father says, well, we don't use you as an example because somebody might be offended by that. So we have to use ourselves. Amen? So don't be offended. Tell your neighbors, say, don't be offended. Amen. Jessica and I got married in 2006, but praise God, God God's blessed us since then. And I, I'm 38 years old now, so Jessica expects a little bit more of me today than she did the year we got married. Amen. She's blessed me with Five beautiful children. That's, that's a lot of work, amen? You know, having the fifth is not as easy as having the first, amen? Waking up at night to feed the fifth is not as easy as waking up at night to feed the first, amen? So you got to be generous. A generous man prospers. An ungenerous man has his head handed to him, amen? So you've got to, over time, as God blesses you, you got to step it up. Tell your neighbor, say, step it up. God, tell your other neighbor, say, step it up. You know, with everybody at home and locked down throughout the United States, I saw a few weeks ago that, you know, there would be a massive increase of online shopping and that FedEx and UPS and the USPS, I think they're still recuperating from the election, amen, that they, they would all be overwhelmed. And so, you know, Thanksgiving week, I, I coordinated with my mom and, Jessica's mom to order Christmas presents for Jessica. So presents started showing up under the tree, and the kids were like, who are those for? That's, for? that's for mommy. Sorry. Sorry to tell you. It's for mommy. Amen? But we're to be a blessing. We're to be generous. And you can't be generous at a level you're not at, but you can be generous at a level you are at. And as God blesses you, as he increases you, it ought to be proportionate. As God prospers us, it's wrong to just keep doing or giving what we've always done. That's not being generous. As God prospers us, it's wrong to keep giving into missions offerings or special guest offerings what we've always done. That's not generous. As God prospers us, it's wrong to keep giving into challenge offerings what we've always given. That's not being generous. New levels require new action and new obedience. New levels require greater generosity. New levels require new action and new obedience, and new levels require greater generosity. 
My father shared this at nine. Maybe you heard it. I'll share it again in this service. It's a great example. We have a family member, and over time, he, he worked hard, had his own business. He prospered, amen. But, but his gift for everyone was always the same in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 2000s, up until a few years ago when, praise God, he accepted the Lord as his Lord and Savior the night before he died, went to be with the Lord, amen. But the, the gift was always $100. That was the gift. That was always the gift. Christmas, birthday, the same, it was $100 for me and $100 for my father. $100 for everyone. And you might say, well, Austin, that, that sounds good to me. Jessica always told me never to complain because she never got anything from a lot of relatives. So she was always like, be thankful, Austin. But I tell the illustration to, to illustrate that that is something a family member did and, and they never adjusted for inflation. And even as they had their own business and prospered, they never adjusted for inflation. Even when they sold their business and there was a lot liquid, they, they never adjusted, amen? And so you got to give up an ungenerous mentality. You got to give up a cheap mentality. You got to give up a, a stingy mentality. Now, growing up, I remember my father talking about how the, the car your wife drives ought to be nicer than the car you drive, the husband. Now, we're at a point where it is what it is, amen? So I get Jessica what she wants to drive and what has enough room for every kid, every child, every backpack, amen? You know, and if she said tomorrow we need a minivan, well, we're going to get a minivan and we'll just get the nicest wheels we can and make it look as good as we can, <laughs> pinstriping the whole nine yards. But we're, we're to be generous, and part of being generous and excelling in the grace, it's a grace of giving, is giving up being cheap and being stingy. The same family member, he, he, he never would get my grandmother a new car. When it was time for a vehicle, he always went, and he would look for the vehicle that they had had for however many years that hadn't sold because it was a color no one wanted. See, you, you've got to give up any attitudes like that and be generous and be a blessing. So husbands, you ought to be generous with your wife. Wives, you ought to be generous with your husband. Parents, you ought to be generous with your children. Amen? It's 2020. Stuff costs more today than it cost in 2010 or 2000. Please stop complaining about it. When you complain about it, it makes you sound old. Gas is what it is. Milk costs what it costs. I realize in 1976, a Ford F-150 cost whatever. It costs more today. It is what it is. And when you say those things and, and talk that way, say that way, Amen. your children hear you. And you are passing down that cheapness and that stinginess and that negative attitude and mentality to the next generation. New levels. And to go to new levels, you got to be more generous. To go to new levels, you got to talk in ways that you've not been willing to talk. you got to be willing to take new action. Number four, God has made a way for us to become rich, to be abundantly supplied and to have more than we need. Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you 
through his poverty you might, say might, become rich. Now this is important. Paul is writing about these six graces. And one of these graces is God's plan for you to abound, for you to excel, that you might abound, that you should abound. You should abound. Though the word actually means that you should be super abounding. And Paul writes that we, through Christ's poverty, we might, say might, become rich. So it's not guaranteed. It is not automatic. It won't just happen because we say we love the Lord. It won't just happen because we put a, a certain bumper sticker on our car or get a wristband or whatever it is. We have to excel in some things, in faith, in speech, in love, in earnestness and diligence, and, and also in what? We must excel in what grace? The grace of giving. And the reality is, what is the one grace a lot of people don't want to hear about? What is the one grace a lot of people don't want to take action on? What, what is the one area when it comes to the Word of God a, a lot of people don't want to hear about, don't want to take action on? The grace of giving. But it's by excelling in that grace of giving that Paul writes that we, through Christ's poverty, we might become rich. We might. Say might. So it's not guaranteed or automatic. We have to work God's plan. And this explains why so many believers over time, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, they don't prosper. They don't pull ahead. They don't abound. They don't super abound because they're not excelling in the grace of giving. God has called us to be generous. God has called us to be generous and not to be cheap or selfish or stingy. Hey, have you ever been to lunch with someone and they invited you, yet when it comes time for the bill, they have a stomach ache every single time? Now, I know y'all have all experienced. It ha just hasn't been me, amen? Remember last time we were in a certain place, I won't say what state, with family. I was invited to lunch by someone probably my father's age. You know, and I, I'm learning some lessons my father learned a long time ago. Amen? One way to filter lunches is to say where you want to eat. You know, the girls, Sophie and Michaela, this past week, they've been asking me why I don't want to eat at Chicken Express. Well, uh, y'all, you girls like that? Your mom likes that? That's not for me. Amen? That is not the best of the land. And that is a car, you can, that is a smell you can never get out of a car. So, uh, no, I'm not going, I'm not driving through there, amen? But uh, you can tell people, say, well, sure, I'll have lunch, just meet me over at this place. And, you know, oh, well, there, there's your sign, amen? They're not going to pay, they're not going to buy, they're going to waste your time. But I remember being at lunch, the bill came, this older relative, my father's age, he disappeared to the bathroom just long enough for me to say, well, I guess he, he's not coming back for a while, I'll go ahead and take care of the bill. Then he magically appeared again. See, you got to, if you want to prosper, if you want to walk in the blessing, you got to give up all that nonsense. And Jesus in the Gospels, he, when he taught in the parables, he dealt with this thing of inviting people to parties because you know they're going to invite you to their party. Or doing this or giving that gift for someone because you know they're going to get you a, a gift of the exact same amount. Now, our children are little, and in school, they do the gift exchange at Christmas, 
the rules are so specific. You know, every parent, you're supposed to get a gift of, you know, this amount, no, much, no more, so no one feels like they got a lesser gift. They do the gift exchange, and the little kids, they all want the gift they brought. <laughs> but a gift of equal value. Well, that's early childhood. That's K-4. But we ought not be in our 30s and our 40s and 50s still operating at those levels. Well, I'm going to buy their lunch because I know they're going to buy my lunch. I'm going to do this for them or invite them to this because I know I'm going to... And Jesus taught in the Gospels, we got to move beyond all that. And it takes grace. It is the grace of giving. So you got to get rid of any cheap attitudes. you got to get rid of a stingy mentality. One of the funniest stories I think my father has ever shared, I don't know what year this would have been, but he, he shared a story probably at least 20 years ago. And he, he, one morning he was getting ready for church and he had squeezed out all the hair gel that he could squeeze out of the tube. And then he went and got a pair of scissors to cut the, the container open so he could, he could squeeze out more of that hair gel and get it all. And he shared the story that the Lord spoke to him and, and, and rebuked him on that and said, you, you can't be blessed and prosper the way I want to prosper you doing that, acting like that, having that kind of mentality. Now, my parents taught us we, we spend money, amen? We do what needs to be done. We don't waste. We're not wasteful. But, but you got to move beyond, you know, squeezing every little bit of toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube. Amen. You got to get rid of those mentalities. Or go into the cafe. All right, we're going to get one cookie and divide it between five people. Yeah, I remember being little. We'd go out to eat after church on Sunday nights. I remember there was a Sunday night, and Christine and I both wanted nachos. We wanted our own nachos. We didn't. We didn't want to share. And my father knew, well, the, the nachos here, they're big. There's going to be plenty left over. And he told us, if you don't eat it, you're going to take it home with you. And sure enough, we did. We had those nachos the next day. Amen? <laughs> so I firmly believe in being good stewards and not being wasteful and being conservative. Amen? You know, Jessica and I try and measure exactly how much do we need from Chick-fil-A so we have more than enough, but we're not being wasteful Food is not being thrown away. And people, I know you all understand this with large families. But then on the other hand, you've got to give up any cheap, stingy, ungenerous attitudes or mentalities. And you've got to see yourself as worthy to enjoy God's best. You've got to see yourself as worthy. He, he wants to bless you. He wants you to have the desires of your heart, whatever they are. He, he wants you to have it. And you, you may not feel like it, that you're good enough or, or worthy enough, but our Heavenly Father, He wants you to have it. He, he wants you to have it. He wants you to go to new levels. He, he wants you to have your heart's desire, whatever that would be. So you got to see yourself as being worthy. So to prosper and to abound and to walk in God's blessing, we've got to excel in the grace of giving. For you know, verse 9, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich for our sakes, Say, for my sake, he became poor so that we, through his poverty, we might become rich. So that we might. So that we might become rich. So that we might. So it's not guaranteed or automatic. We've got to do our part. 
We've got to excel in the grace of giving. So don't let Satan or the enemy talk you out of God's best or his blessings. Don't let religion or religious people talk you out of God's best or out of his blessings. And even if God's people never saw this truth in the word of God, even if they never heard it in church, over time, they would naturally walk in the blessing of God if they loved God and his work and his house. And love, they would give. And because of their giving, God's superabounding anointing would come upon them naturally and they would prosper. So again, why do so many believers over time fail to walk in the blessing of God? They don't excel in this particular grace, which is the grace of giving. And when politicians have to release their tax returns, it's always amazing when you have someone and they're for socialism, they're for high taxes and all these things, and they release their tax return and the income is in the hundreds of thousands or even millions, and then the, the charitable giving line says that they gave like $1,000 the previous year. Now that's the world. That is unsaved, wicked people in the world that want to confiscate our hard-earned money for their do-gooderism, but that's not who we should be as the people of God. We ought to excel in faith. We ought to excel in our speech. We ought to excel in our diligence and our love, but we also ought to excel in the grace of giving. And if we would, over time, God's blessing would come upon us. And it, you hear us say all the time, it's not going to happen overnight, but over time, you will abound. Over time, you will superabound. You know, I've mentioned a lot, 2006 versus 2020, being 38 years old. If you had told Jessica and, and I in 2006 all that God would do and where we would be in 2020, I wouldn't have believed it. But it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time as you work God's plan. Say, I'm prospering. I'm prospering. Say, I'm winning. I'm winning. Say, I'm succeeding. I'm succeeding. Say, I'm abounding. I'm abounding. In every area of life, say, I'm superabounding. If we would love God and love his word and love his work and love his house, if we would love our family and if we would love others, see, we would take action and we would walk in the blessing of God. I mentioned what I did for Jessica this year. Why order gifts? Why be generous? Because I love her. Giving can be measured. Love can be measured. Diligence can be measured. Just like you being here in church on a rainy Sunday in 2020 when the world is full of fear, your love for the Lord can be seen. It can be measured. And this explains why there are those that walk in his blessing and those that don't. See, if we would love God and love his word and love his work and love his house and love our family, and love others, we would renew our mind to his word and work his plan. Romans 12, 2, Paul wrote, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, after we do that, then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1, 8, the book of the law, my word, it will not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So we can make our way prosperous. 
and we can have good success. But I want you to see from God's word, I want you to see from what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, it is not guaranteed. It is not automatic. It, it won't just happen because we, we say we love the Lord. We've got to excel in some things. And one of the things we have to excel in is the grace of giving. And the Lord told Joshua he could make his way prosperous and he could have good success. So if you'll take action on the word, you can make your way prosperous and you can have good success. What's good success? It is success God's way. Out there in the world, there is example after example of people in the world having some measure of worldly success, but they're, they're sad, they're depressed, they're alone, their family hates them. On Instagram, it looks like they've got it all together, but right now, they're thinking about taking their life. That is not good success. Good success is success God's way. And you can't have success God's way without love and without generosity. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.